Hello everyone, I'm Jeremy Alice, and welcome to Penny Tolerable, the podcast where two large adult siblings talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and whatever else. We've spent a lifetime together, so you can spend some time with us. Now, who is this person sitting next to me who, I'm really happy because he got into a lot of money because he just got hit by a Prius! Oh yeah, look at, your bro got two uh, ankle bracelets. <laughs> That's right. First time I've ever had to do that. Your boy just got an illegal textbook. <laughs> I forget what the joke is, but you remember the bit? Yeah. He's the first guy ever with two uh, house arrest bracelets. Um, well, uh, we... Uh, is it a little game that our listener can uh, uh, go ahead and... Uh, Pick up on what we talk about at the start of the show and then infer what the topic is, even though it's also in the image and usually the episode title, unless you get really creative with them like you have been lately. Oh no, I'm, I've stopped doing that. I'm just doing, <laughs> like, the episode title is there, but there's going to be some, you know, ha-ha jokes around it. Yeah, so it, it's not these, like, 17-word things with punk, complicated punctuation. <laughs> so Not anymore. Okay. No, I just, I'm not, I'm not trying to do a low-level roast of you. I do remember that six months, though, where every episode title, so we do, like, Batman Returns, and the title of the episode is, like, Goodwill Towards Men, comma, and Women, dot, 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 and what the hell, hyphen, calendar man. <laughs> and it's just like, that's great, but on any normal podcast app, it'll just say, Goodwill Towards Men. <laughs> <laughs> So every, there was like a year where every episode we did, the title was just, Django, if you live, shoot. <laughs> Django, kill if you live, shoot. Uh, Django, kill. Uh, have a good funeral, my friend, dot, dot, dot. Sartana will pay for the coffin. <laughs> Blondie is coming to town, amigo. Semicolon, best trade your pistol for a coffin. So, what are we doing today? Parks and Rec, or... <laughs> Just so direct. Or, as I like to call it, and bear in mind I have been... I sent this into a Mad Magazine, and they okay. have gotten back to me, and I am working there now. Parks and Black. Ah, I see. okay. Now, I think that's... Have you tried Cracked? Because Mad is kind of the thinking man's Cracked. Mm-hmm. Cracked crack the uh, weird website that's not right? No, I uh, cracked the uh, weird website where all the articles are like, uh, 10 poisons that don't taste as good as you think they would. <laughs> and like, it, like three of the authors uh, like hit on teenagers and like the game <laughs> is to figure out which ones. <laughs> Who has, it's like Sean Baby's so weird that I bet he's normal. I don't know. Who else has the most divorced guy energy? <laughs> Maybe one of them's a lady. You never know. <laughs> one, one of the uh, women who write it uh, cracked. <laughs> so, well, you know, weirdly enough, I was sitting here talking about craft the website. Mm -hmm. And that's a fitting analogy for uh, Parks and Rec. And bear, bear, bear with me here. Cracked was a website where I think everybody, or many people at least, for a while it seemed... Pretty cool. Yeah. Precisely because it had all of those articles, like, five 80s comedies that have not aged well. 
Or ten children's songs that are way darker than you thought. Yeah, it's... I think the same thing was kind of going on with the Onion AV Club. Yeah. That's... Yeah, the around the time that Kraft was white hot, like, the AV Club... It's weird. They were at, like, peak popularity. That was also when the website was at its best. Yeah. Which... Uh, the era, and on the wine being Kenny, we're talking about, like, 2008 to 2000... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even say, like, the Obama years, because, like, probably by, like, 2000. 13, a lot of this was fading. But there was, like, some energy there. There were, like, fun, like, articles. They had a stable of writers who then immediately left for greener pastures mm-hmm. to do uh, other... But basically do the same shit, like, eight times that Arthur wrecked me. Not the movie, the children's show. Um, and at the, you know, jump back 10, 15 years, this all seemed a little more fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is like inescapable. Yeah, it's so ubiquitous at this point. Like, yeah, like if I want to just look up like information on a movie, it's like, did you mean uh, ten times that Ogami Ito beheaded a dude? <laughs> no, I just I just wanted to see when the movie was made. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's just inescapable. Uh, He's done over hundred and thirty. Daidoro says that. Oh yeah, I can believe it. Wasn't the sixth uh, Lone Wolf and Cub movie, I read that it has the highest number of on-screen kills? I think so. I think, I, so. I think it's like the last ten minutes yeah. is just him. Yeah, I, I think it's like hand-to-hand kills. It doesn't count. Like, okay, technically, the person with the highest number of on-screen kills would either be Thanos or Slim Pickens. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's where they got the line... They sent an army after him, and he sent it back, piece by piece. Yeah. You can always tell what we really want to be talking about on these episodes. Because <laughs> we'll like talk about the real subject, and then go, this reminds me of the five deadly venoms in a weird way. <laughs> you know, this is not unlike the five fingers of death. Um, but, but uh, yeah, they all this stuff cracked, and... Uh, the AV club, like the good AV club, mm-hmm. when it did something besides just like recap videos and links to buy like $700 replicas of Mjolnir. Um, and Parks and Rec are all very much part of, let's just call it the Obama era. Yeah. And to be honest, the Obama era like ends before Obama's out of office, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Like the rot has already set in at that point. But, I don't also, we're talking about the Office of the Presidency, so The Rock was there to begin with. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's just an excuse to look backwards, and Parks and Rec is maybe the most useful lens for that. And dude, how much do we want to dwell on like why we're talking Americana right now? Well, there... N- not much, because it's, yeah. it's such unpleasant news yeah. and circumstances, yeah. but yes, there has been great injustices passed mm-hmm. uh, in our country. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, we don't have to be coy about it, it's like the monstrous Roe v. Wade decision from mm-hmm. the weird cabal of pedophiles and robes <laughs> that are somehow like the highest uh, zenith of legal minds in our country. 
Um, I don't like this. This is a a podcast about like Godzilla, yeah, and kung fu movies. So I'm not gonna like go on and on about it. I, I mean, I think neither you nor I have been at all cagey about like how we mm-hmm. feel about things or what our politics are. Uh, all I can say is like. Look out for each other, which the only heartening thing is that that's what people have always been doing and yeah. what they have already stepped up efforts to do. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's going to, no one's going to help. Like there's not going to be any like trickle down federal assistance yeah. in any of this. This is grassroots. Have your friends back. Be prepared to get in trouble, possibly. <laughs> um... Just bear in mind that you are absolutely in the right by sticking up for the women in your life. And then, yeah, it affects everybody, but obviously, yeah. you know, women in particular. Um, yeah, and uh, I'll just say what I always say in these situations. You don't have to follow laws. <laughs> like, if you, like, you don't want to get caught if you break them. I'm not trying to sound like a tough guy here, but it's just like, when it's like, oh my god, they... Banned abortion in half the countries. It's like, yeah, you, you know what else they banished? Uh, uh, b- banished. <laughs> you know what else they banned was uh, drugs. Oh, yeah, yeah those, yeah, those things yeah. that nobody fucking takes. Yeah, you, know, you know how, like, cocaine is illegal in this country? <laughs> yeah. That's why no one does it. <laughs> yeah, you can't get it here. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you follow the same logic, you don't want to get caught with it. Yeah. I uh, keep your eye on checkpoints, but uh, yeah, without a, without without a moment's hesitation, like just if a law is evil, you don't have to follow it. That I'll like I'll leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't have to listen to the what the worst people in the world are telling you to do. Now it's definitely against the rules, but I'm gonna tell you, I see a lot of rule breakers in here. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, like I say, I don't, we don't need to go on at that at any further length, but obviously it's been on a person's mind. Um, and talking about the thing itself, which I wouldn't do on this podcast anyways, but even if I wanted to, like, it, you can't, it's too big. Mm-hmm. It's the sun. Yeah. So I thought what we would do is where my mind went when just feeling like somewhat helpless and just having like stray Dumbo thoughts, I thought it's weird how many movies are going to be outdated because of this. Yeah. Which to be clear is not a problem. That's, that's like being sad that you can't watch the Cosby show anymore. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the problem in this situation, but it is, it is a weird side effect. But I mean, you can watch, you can watch fat Albert because it's not technically him. It's a bunch of different characters. Yeah, but isn't one of the kids on Fat Albert meant to be him as a young man? I think so. Because it was Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. We're not going to sell this tonight. Go get an almanac. <laughs> Poor Richards. Yay, stout Albert. <laughs> and the children of Jan Compost Heath. Yay, one picked up a zither. And began to play it like unto a southern banjo. <laughs> I don't know why my Ben Franklin is from Shakespeare times. Nathaniel? Yeah? They ought to call you Tea Kettle. Tea Kettle? Why would they call me Tea Kettle? Because you get everybody steamed. 
You gotta do this on air on the podcast. You can't you can't do this in private. You know what, Jeremy? Jeremy Ellis, they ought to call you school on a Sunday. Why is that? Because you got no class. Okay. This is sound of three people shutting <laughs> off their computers at the same time. We have up to 17 people listening. <laughs> oh my god. We I, can't, have, I can't beat up 17 people. We have, we have roughly the same amount of people listening to this as Krusty did when he was in the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> like, any, any given time that a bird is dying... It's death rattle will be heard by as many people <laughs> as are listening to this right now. Nope. Nobody's listening. I can say anything. Funny. <laughs> uh, and other funnier news. Um, but no, it, it is weird, like, these... Everything from, like, you know, Juno to The Last American Virgin to other great films. Mm. Uh, the central debate is, like, should they get... Uh, an A word, mm-hmm. <laughs> a Gagorshan. You're like, huh? That's me. It's like watching like a movie from like Prohibition era. Yeah. Like, well, I know what that is, but it's it's still like weird that this takes place in a speakeasy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and people say like, oh, it's only half the country. It's like, eh, give it three years. The people who say that they're not going to push for a nationwide ban are the same people who said that this would never happen. Yeah. So there, there is a point beyond which you don't have to listen to the grown-ups in the room anymore. Mm. And that brings us back to Parks and Rec, which was a, a smart show for the grown-ups in the room. <laughs> yeah. It's... And, it, it's and, and this is what I wanted to do, is, like, look at some of these relics from the Obama era, because it, it's just night and day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like listening to, like, an Englishman in 1935 going, well, I don't agree with everything about this Adolf chap, but he's right on a few points. Mm. And they're like, oh, I didn't mean that, actually. <laughs> no, I went to Eton with Oswald Mosley. Uh, we, we never hang out much. <laughs> it's not a good hang, Oswald Mosley. Um, so, yeah, some of it has aged bizarrely. Some of it has not. Some of it's aged immaculately. Maybe we'll get yeah. to that. Um, and just just to maybe look at that as a lens, because, like, not to give the game away, I do actually like Parks and Rec, and I do think it's a very funny show. But it's like if a really funny show was made by Fish... Yeah. I'm like, I don't get all of their fish jokes. I feel like I'm missing the context for some of their fish-based humor. <laughs> but uh, the puns are pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. So, so the the fish were clearly good performers that uh, brought a lot to the page. Uh, and so that's, I guess, that that's the thesis here. But uh, What's your take? I mean, I, I, I've been sucking enough air out of the room. As usual, I think, like you said, it is a uh, it is a show that has aged poorly in many episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say many, I don't mean like most. I just mean many because there were a whole bunch yeah. of episodes. Uh, I'll, I have the wiki here for technical stuff, but go on. 
Uh, yeah. 126 episodes. Ooh. Decent. Yeah. Longer than news radio. Mm-hmm. But there's a... I, I really like it. You know, it's... I think it has to be out of the NBC3 at the time, mm-hmm. which was that, 30 Rock and Community. I think 30 Rock was funnier. I liked watching Parks and Rec more. Mm. If that makes sense. Like, no, I, I and can I, see that. And I'm not saying, like, oh, it's a nicer show. You know, like that nice Ted Lasso. But, I mean, and but then again, I love Joe Para. Like, that. that's like a hug of a show. Yeah. But sometimes it is nice after, uh, you know, the amuse-bouche of cynical humor to be like, let's just be goofy. Yeah. And I... I if I had to pinpoint my own spot on that spectrum, unsurprisingly for me, it's The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Like, right, that that would be my yeah. lodestone. But, yeah, nothing mind-boggling there, but it's that weird thing where The Simpsons is mean as hell when it wants to oh, be. Oh, yeah. But the, the Simpsons does not come off as, like, a, like a dark show, the way that... Uh, like always sunny or something. Mm-hmm. Honestly, always sunny is like fun too because they just like dum dums getting into scrapes. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't know. Like the Simpsons, they even used to joke they could get away with anything just so long as the last thirty seconds were sweet. Yeah, and if you pay attention to the show, you're like, oh, that's right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Just so long as it ends with like Homer giving. Lisa a piggyback ride, you can like he can murder people earlier in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Simpsons is mean in the sense that, like, you, there is never a scene on a highway where a car does not go off <laughs> into a ditch and catch on fire. Mm-hmm. There is never a Hans Molman scene that doesn't end with him being killed off screen. Uh, and of course it's views on, like, you know, kind of American decay yeah. a little bit. Uh, not, not even decay, because it was the 90s when it was good, but just, like, maybe America's always been, like, a little bit insane, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's charming, and sometimes it's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's me in the same way that, like, again, my lodestone, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, like, which should be my other big one. There's, there's jokes in that, like... Uh, for, for once in his, for the first time in his life, Johnny feels real fear, yeah. and just the, the voices in his head get meaner and meaner. <laughs> Meanwhile, his parents are wondering where he is. Did I tell you to have this baby? <laughs> <laughs> then, you have that. And there's the fact that the bots have, they haven't attempted to kill Emily yet, but like all the others, they've kind of made a few attempts. <laughs> I guess we'll probably end up talking about the new season. Yeah. Uh, Whenever it wraps up. Gotta say, I'm liking it so far. Me too. Uh, big surprise there, too. Oh, but yeah, like, that, that's the thing, like, a show like The Critic is very mean-spirited, like, intensely mean-spirited. <laughs> to, to New York, to Critic, <laughs> to movies. To Jay himself, but then he's also mean to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, they literally, for the second season, Fox was like, y- you gotta... Give him a girlfriend. Like, this This is too fucking mean. And they, they might have actually been right. <laughs> yeah. but, um, 
but but anyways, but like you look at the critic and it doesn't like bum you out. It's it's just like silly and you know it's uh, let us flee to Hohoken and Newark, the twin jewels of Joyce's crown. What luck! There's a French fry stuck in my beard. Yeah, and it's like okay, that's technically a fat joke, but you don't go like, hey, that's punching down. Orson Welles is dead and won't see this, but some of your fat friends who do have French fries stuck in their beards will. <laughs> it was also super cool with his body type. <laughs> did not give a shit. Also, the impression is by Maurice LaMarche, who's a rake. <laughs> so, uh, I love you, Maurice. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't think of a lot of these shows as being like particularly, particularly mean or nice. I feel like I'm rewatching Seinfeld right now, which is mm-hmm. the urtext for a lot of people. Yeah. And the, the main thing that strikes me about Seinfeld is that, like, it's just kind of there. The characters are selfish and they're mean. And George, in particular, is, like, the worst of them, of course. Mm. But, like, it doesn't matter. It's like saying, like, well, Laurel and Hardy were mean because they were always trying to... Get out of working too hard. <laughs> yeah. And you know who else was mean was, uh, was uh, Chico. Don't trust that guy with your money. And you're like, yeah, that's... That chaplain the- guy was always swiping food from people. <laughs> yeah, like... He even had a kid in his operation. They were breaking windows. What the hell? <laughs> Exa- no, exactly. Like, what people... People hold it up now. It's like, well, Seinfeld is like... It's funny because it's mean. Like, comedy is only funny when the characters are bad people. And then you watch Seinfeld, you're like, they're, they're just fucking normal. Like, yeah. Kramer's a goof. Kramer's, like, like frighteningly positive, and George is frighteningly negative. Mm-hmm. But then Elaine and Jerry are just normal. Yeah, like, they're, just... they're, like, immature 35-year-olds. Like, it's nothing. Yeah. Um, There's the episode where that you were telling me about where Elaine comes back, and they're all so happy to see you. It's like... Hey, Kramer, I thought you were in Hawaii. Yeah, I came back to see you, baby. Yeah. And it's, and I know we're like talking about everything except Parks and Rec, but that, that really is something that struck me going back to it is like, I find the relationships there to be more mm-hmm. believable. That, that doesn't sound kind of stupid to say about a show, but there's, there's like a scene where like Jerry and Elaine are like uh, driving to pick somebody up at the airport or something. And, they, she goes like, uh, how, how do I smell? And he goes, well, like a cheap whore. She goes, how cheap? Well, $10 range. It's like, I charge you more than $10. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. some joke, like, I'm getting it wrong, but it's like just back and forth like that. And you're like, yeah, it's two adults teasing each other. <laughs> yeah. There's like so many episodes. It's like in with, space. How they're, all, they're on each other's back, but like. They couldn't love each other more. Yeah, and I, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, oh, it's a show about love. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they are all inherently selfish, but, like, at least at this point, I'm about halfway through, half the episodes start with Jerry and Elaine, like, waiting for a cab or, like, waiting in line at the movies, and they're just teasing each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it, they come off as, like, more... I think just they have good chemistry, like, the two yeah. actors, but... It's like they come off as more plausible, whereas if you watch Friends, where mm-hmm. the characters are supposed to be friends, but it's all like, I'm going to say something crazy, and then, womp womp, <laughs> yeah. you sure are crazy. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, like the like 
pause for laugh. <laughs> this is how we think people talk. I think the secret is that despite being the weirdest guy in the world, I think Larry David actually is charming in real life. <laughs> yeah. So that comes through in the scripts. Uh, so going back to, you mentioned the NBC three, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we got Community, Parks and Rec, uh, 30 Rock, and <laughs> the funny thing is, it is, of course, the NBC4, because The Office. Oh, yeah. The Office, just yeah. far and away the most successful out of all the shows we just And made. the one that both of us just did not, like, we saw the pilot, wasn't it the pilot, yeah. and it was just a remake of the first episode of yeah. the British one, and we are like, dude, we don't need this, like, yeah, and I, and I... That's the show I never gave a second chance because it's like all these shows where they have a six episode first season that's not funny. So faint like Parks and Rec notoriously. Mm-hmm. I there's some jokes in there, but people say you can just start with season two and you're okay. And the weird boyfriend that Leslie had that just evaporated. Yeah, and then same thing, it's like don't watch the first six episodes of uh uh Seinfeld, like the Seinfeld Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, how like Elaine's not in the first episode. The only show that's the only comedy that is good from the start is Arrested Development. Yeah, like you could skip the first season of The Simpsons. Like it's <laughs> you can you can skip KTMA. Yeah, and the and MS- with MST. Yeah, you could probably skip season one for the most part, give or take a few standouts. But um, so yeah, like I don't mean to judge it like that. But yeah, the first episode of The Office is just them going like. I'm a big fan of the two Ronnies. I mean the three Stooges. Mm. <laughs> uh, all you have to do is get your stapler out of uh, that jello and then Bob's your uncle. <laughs> oh shit, we forgot to change that part. <laughs> Control, delete. Um, hey, can you hear me the sticky tape? God damn it, scotch tape. <laughs> uh, exactly, is the 50-minute scene where they argue over cookies and crisps. <laughs> so, oh, I know, crisp was a chip. Chip is a cookie, and a cookie is a biscuit, mm-hmm. and a biscuit is a pint. And botulism is called steak and kidney pie. <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, I just totally like bailed after the first episode, mm-hmm. um, and like never gave it a second chance. And then apparently, it went on to be like the most beloved, successful show since Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, totally not on my radar. And now when it's like. Well, you can always go back and watch it. I'm like, I know. But the, these two things that stand in the way of me watching it. One, quite a few episodes to have to go back and yeah. watch. And B, it's my understanding that John Krasinski isn't most or all of them. <laughs> so I'm afraid not. Um, whereas these shows, yeah, it's a weird mix. Because we've talked many times on the show about community. Mm-hmm. Uh Weird show that is like good in isolation, but as soon as it's like as soon as a community fan explains to me why they like the show, it makes me like it less. <laughs> yeah, um, and like I say, like doesn't seem like it was a very fun show to make. Mm-hmm. Unlike some of these, it's like man, people could not wait to like leave or get fired. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that they had like six ringers mm-hmm. that they brought in. All of whom were awesome, but like... Yeah, you're like, well, of course Paget Brewster and Keith David are going to be awesome on the show, but you're like, 
maybe you wouldn't have to get Malcolm McDowell in to replace Chevy Chase if you hadn't had Chevy Chase on. I remember John Oliver said he literally doesn't remember filming a single episode. Yeah, he's he's in like he's basically like a staple cast member in season five. Mm-hmm. Which one was season five? Yeah. Uh, and then this fourth season that everyone hates, which is exactly as good as season three or season five. The gas leak year that we'd all prefer to forget about. Oh, is that the one with the air conditioning cold? No, that's the third one. Oh, uh, was the season four, was that the terrible year with like the zombie episode yeah. and the Christmas claymation episode? No, that's season two, the highlight of the series. <laughs> <laughs> they were already doing that in season two. D- DC's Legends of Tomorrow is on like tenth season, and they just got to like the puppet episode, the musical episode. Yeah, that I mean, that's the thing that that sums it up with Community is like season two, literally a show where one week you could turn it on, and it would be the Dungeons and Dragons episode, mm-hmm. and then the next week you turn it on and it's the zombie outbreak episode. Yeah. It's like how, like, your neck will not withstand that level of whiplash. <laughs> it's, no, your head will just, like, pop off, like, in The Counselor. <laughs> that's not a step down. That's just Dan Harmon putting, like, metal cable over a street <laughs> at head height as you drive by. Um, so you got that. And then I feel like in a weird way, 30 Rock has aged the best. Since it's just silliness. It's just joke. It, like, people point out, like, well, it's, how is it aged the best? It's the one with the blackface. It's yeah. the one where they do a bunch of North, like, like, and that that's what's weird about 30 Rock. And, like, I know that intellectually I understand that, like, every third episode of 30 Rock probably has somebody doing the me so horny voice. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's aged badly in that regard, but it's still funny. Yeah. Which is, like, something I can't say about maybe, like, maybe two other shows that were on at the same time. It's like the, the Tracy thing of, it's like, uh, I'll show you my hand, and on the hand it says, uh... Oh, yeah, they're like, don't make me show you the back of my hand, and then it, yeah. yeah, it says, please be nice to me. <laughs> um... So in that sense, it's aged pretty well. And I think that's what it is, is, like, I get sick of, like, the the thoughtfulness of community and the experimentation of community and the, the meta-ness of community. And the only thing I like about community is just the jokes. Yeah. Like, just Keith David's character talking about dating Brigitte Nielsen <laughs> or mm-hmm. just, like, a silent montage of... Annie pantomiming a sex encounter in a D&D game. Which uh, Allison Brie improvised. Yeah, because, I, I mean, there's that and too. It took like a thousand takes because people kept breaking. There's that too with Community where, where it's like, okay, is the show a staggering work of heartbreaking genius? Or is it just that you had Allison Brie, uh, Donald Glover, and Gillian Jacobs on it? Yeah. Because... You could do like what like now you're in the picture. <laughs> you could bring that game show back, <laughs> and if they were the three hosts, people would be like, "This rules!" Yeah, let's put this on as many, as often as they did Millionaire in 1999. <laughs> yeah, like is, did did it help that you cast? Like, and I, 
I love all of them, but like especially Allison Brie and Donald Glover. It's like, wow, the show's well really well written. And also we did cast the two most charismatic human beings born after 1985. <laughs> that, that was a bit of a coup. It was very <laughs> smart of us to do that. Uh the two most talented actors of their generation. Um so they're so yeah, but I, I like community, but it's just remembering those jokes. Yeah. Whenever it's like, do you, do you remember when they became puppets and Ovid used a puppet and the puppet was his mom and you're like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then same thing with Parks and Rec, like its views on like politics and human nature are c- comically wrong. <laughs> but like, Whoever wrote the scripts, like, for uh, Parks and Rec, where it's like, I think most people are inherently good. And yeah. I think we can achieve great things when we work together. And then it pans up, and their shirt says, me and Bizarro number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and because 30 Rock is nothing except the jokes, mm-hmm. I feel like that's why it's aged the best. Yeah. It's like, oh, the politics of 30 Rock have aged poorly. It doesn't have politics. <laughs> yeah. All the, sh- all the shows that have aged well have just been wall-to-wall jokes. And the only one that was political was Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> and the thing is, it was right. <laughs> it had the exact right politics yeah. for that time and for this time. Mm-hmm. Which is, don't strictly trust communists, but that doesn't mean that we have anything to be proud of either. <laughs> And also, birds are funny. Yeah. So, okay. This is all a lot of preamble. The thing, it's, the thing itself. Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Like, like what has... Not, not just, like, what has aged well and, like, what's aged badly in terms of, like, that's a joke you wouldn't make in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, they, they, they said tranny in an episode. Or yeah. Just, I, don't, I don't mean, like, that kind of shit, but mm-hmm. just... Uh, does anything hold up? Do you look back fondly on some things? Is there stuff where you're like, yeesh? There's a lot of stuff that I do like that still holds up. That, uh, like, many of the characters hold up very well. Uh, Ron Swanson, just because it's such a perfectly realized character. Yeah, and and not to interrupt but just to chime in with that it's worth noting that like when people go they are like oh i love ron swanson it's like no you you love nick offerman yeah it's like we were just thinking about community it's like everything you like about ron swanson is nick offerman and the rest is the stuff that you ignore about how the character would be in real life yeah i think that character is wonderful and just the amount of fucking nut bar characters is great. You have uh, Jeremy Jam. John we'll, Glazer is a goddamn genius. We'll come back to Jam because that's, to me, that's like the secret to unlocking Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I love the, uh, the family of uh, Henry Winkler and Jean Ralphio and Mona Lisa. The fact that you have them playing a family is just the most rotten, garbagey f- people on the planet. Money, please. <laughs> and 
the, the like the, the guy that was the Pawnee chief who was played by the guy that voiced John Redhorn. Uh-huh. He's funny. Yeah. The mayor who is, I think Mo Collins from uh, Mad TV. Was she the mayor or was she the, is that John Calamezzo? No. Oh, who was she then? Mo Collins was like the public speaker, but she was just absolutely insane and on drugs and drunk. But that's John Calamezzo, like the news reporter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that is Mo Collins. Yeah. So who's the mayor? I forget. No, I think I the mayor I, was Bill Murray, actually. <laughs> I don't mean the mayor. I mean oh, Mel okay, Collins' okay. character. Okay, yeah. No, she's she's a riot. Just, just the line of like, you know, I think she's doing good today. People of Gotham. Oh, Jesus. That's... I now officially declare this purge on. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I saw the clip. It's where April talks about how much she loves John Calamazzo. Mm-hmm. She gave her audience, uh, why do I like Joe Calamento? She gave her audience a car. She gave her entire audience one car, and they had to sort out who got it, and that shows everybody, like, fighting in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, and of and course, her, purred happily. Yes. The word with purred. The word with purred. The thing about uh, uh, this news story is that it's breaking. And now, back from that segment, we return to this one. I like the the clip they said, uh, I think they like shot it or wrote it, but never used it. It's purred happily at the state fair alone in a tent. And he says, the thing about these nuts is they're salted. Oh, hi. And like he turns around when the other characters come in. (laughs) So he just talks like that. Yeah. I also loved there was a guy, this is not a comment on the show, value neutral statement. I did have a guy at my gym who looked like buff purred happily. It was a right because he had the full on like WWF like old school. Like, yeah, he was like an older guy, but like ripped. That's yeah. Of, like, so he just like this massive like uh, you know final fight boss body, <laughs> but then he had purred Halfley's head. <laughs> it's like the one guy in Legacy of Blood yeah. who has ju- he's a short guy, but he has like a buff. Like gorilla body, yeah. But his head it looks just like Mel Brooks, <laughs> so it's, it's like the weirdest thing to see him with his shirt off. And I'm like, it, I was like, I God, I want to to get a photo. Like I I've described Buff Purred happily to my friends that he goes to my gym, but I never got a photo because I'm like, how do you approach it? Like even if that's a nice guy. How do you approach an older black gentleman and go like, it's like there, there was like no... You look like a guy on a show, <laughs> yeah. but you kind of don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's there's absolutely no... Like, a, if it was a white guy, I probably wouldn't have done it either, but <laughs> yeah. I'm saying like that was like, that was the cherry on top. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing you need is like me posing with a cooler black guy <laughs> throwing like the B sign or something. Like the guy crouching in front of the tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, I did have Buff Purred Happily. Uh, Grant Gustin at the tombstone. Yeah. I was so... Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Oh, I, I never knew. I just know, know the meme. Like, the mm-hmm. crouching at the tombstone. Um, I and, remember the meme I made where the tombstone just says elongated man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, Pert Happily's great, and honestly, uh, I didn't. We kind of got off on a tangent there, but um, if you wanted to mention some others, you can. But 
that's maybe an excuse to bring up uh, one of Parks and Rec's biggest strengths, mm -hmm. uh, the supporting cast. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of shows which kind of build out their world, and then there are some that don't. Like, I, I just mentioned 30 Rock. 30 Rock really does not have an expansive universe. Like, Grizz and .com are kind of... Yeah, so it's like... Okay, you got them, you got the writers, but like half the time they don't even leave the building. Mm -hmm. And so the supporting cast consists essentially of like uh, Liz's funny boyfriend that season, and then uh, Jack's, hot, Jack's girlfriend. hot girl, yeah, girlfriend, be it like Avery Jessup or whoever. Do you, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, so. Not that there weren't, like, a lot of great characters, but they're, they're usually one-offs. So, like, uh, uh, when my wife, uh, Kristen Milioti, appeared uh, as, like, the, the writer, mm -hmm. and so she's, like, the like the blonde bimbo, and it turns out that she's on the run from her ex-husband, <laughs> and Liz exposes her. God, you remember? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, but uh, if you... We're talking about, like, The Simpsons as the gold standard, though, for, like, eventually the show becomes Springfield. Yeah. And I would not put Pawnee against, like, fucking Springfield. I don't think I'd put any... I'm not sure I'd put, like, like the France of Les Miserables against Springfield in terms of a fully realized I, community. I wouldn't but, put Royston Vasey next to... Yeah. But, but like, if, if that's the standard, then, yeah, I'd put Pawnee somewhere between, like, the League of Gentlemen and The Simpsons in terms of in terms of just like we need like a newscaster, it's Joan. We need a reporter, it's uh Shauna Mallway Tweep. Yeah. Uh just but like that that's when you know you're in good hands when it's like, who's the realtor? Fuck it, it's Werner Herzog. Like, yeah. People you can return to uh when need be. Uh so I think that goes a long way. Um but you you were talking about some of the stuff that works. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff that works, I the characters are great. They're a lot of them are fully realized. Like, and they're so they're so not. It's not just they're great and funny. They're beloved. Like, you know, so many people, so many like tough guys and people who know and might not like tough guys, uh, like Ron. Uh, you know, goths like, uh, is it April? Yeah, yeah. April. And, not a goth, uh, but I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, she, she's kind of become like a poster girl for, you know, mopiness and darkness, and that's kind of cool. Um, as, like, aside from the supporting cast, or maybe part of the supporting cast, uh, Gary is great because yeah <laughs> the thing about Gary is if he was at all bitter it wouldn't work then he would just be like a little shit yeah but the fact that he is the happiest person in town makes it funny mm. like that he has beautiful wife cool kids apparently huge dick well there's there's like that that's a go-to joke, of course, but after they're doing, like, the medical screenings, 
It's like, all right, we'll give you the results later. And like the doctor talking head. Uh, that man uh, is in possession of the largest penis I have ever seen after 20 years working as a urologist. If I'm being honest, I actually forgot to get a uh, lab swab from him because I was distracted by the size of his gigantic penis. He has the largest penis that I've seen on a human. Yeah. Oh, the human, that's right. And then he has, like, his family, like, his doting wife. And, his, <laughs> and I, lo- I love when he talks about trouble at home. Yeah. You know, it's like... She's going to call me the B-word, bonehead. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, she's... she's been, it's like if you ran with one of my all-time favorite jokes of anything, uh, and the other guy's... When Will Ferrell complains about the old wife. ball and chain. My wife is a bit of a bear. I'm sorry, you had to see that. It's like if you somehow, like, just made that a recurring character thing without it getting old. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I forget what's the, what's his wife's name, like Joyce or whatever. I, so. I forget. When they flash forward in the last episode, they showed Jerry's life where he keeps getting reelected, like mayor. Like, for, like, 40 terms. <laughs> yeah. And it just shows, him like, he's like, I have had the perfect life with the perfect family. He dies at the age of 100. And then it shows his family is there, and his, his, his wife, wife looks the same. Yeah, so she, she, like, by the logic of the show, she's, like, 96. And she looks, <laughs> like, a hot 40. <laughs> And you even have Adam Scott, like, they're reading out the eulogy, and Adam Scott's character goes, like, she looks amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, an extremely lovable character. Yeah. You remember that when they're sampling the hamburgers? Ooh, it's really juicy, and it, it really activates the umami sensors in yeah. the center of the tongue. Shut up, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's shit like that, or the various Tammies. Mm-hmm. Of course, like, there's never anybody in the town who I'm not happy to see. Um, and you mentioned, again, the head of the the Pawnee uh, Indians, which, which by the way, they're not actually Pawnee Indians, right? Yeah, that's, that's the joke. What, what the hell is the tribe? I forget. God, I, it, that, and that's such a good joke because, like, the town is named Pawnee mm-hmm. after the Pawnee Indians, but the local tribe are not Pawnee. Yeah. And so it's meant to be the parody of, like, the people who arrived in America and went, wow, look at all these Indians yeah. from India. Excuse me, you stop, like, a, you know, a Seminole Indian, a Seminole Native, and you go, like, excuse me, where's Mumbai? Yeah. <laughs> you go to the Florida Everglades. Is this where they filmed the Darjeeling Limited? <laughs> I love, I love how we still do it. Like, I just slipped up and did it myself. Yeah. You know, like, you try not to, but you're like, yeah, they just do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're like, oh, sorry about that. I'm not going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, th- this stuff with him, one of my favorite scenes in the whole series is when he's fucking with Councilman Jam. So they reach, like, the, the whatever it is, business meeting. I haven't seen the episode in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But he has, like, the headdress, and he says, like, so uh, now you can uh, seal the deal by putting on my 
tribe's uh, formal headdress. You want me to put on the feathered headdress? You're, you're joking, right? Why would I joke about my tribe's honor? Oh, oh okay. Um, I'm going to put it on, and this is totally cool, right? Like, this isn't offensive. It's extremely offensive. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's tons of good characters. And then, we're talking about the peripheral, but like, like you said, the main character is like, <laughs> it feels like the, the success people have achieved is in direct inverse proportion to like who you want. You're like, well, surely like Nick Offerman and uh, Reda deserve like long-standing careers after this. And like, I tell you what, we'll put Chris Pratt in everything. Yeah. And I mean everything. Like, to the point where you'll ask us to please stop, but we won't. <laughs> oh, he's going to be everywhere. Like, Chris Pratt's going to be, like, a minion. We're going to make a minion that looks like Chris Pratt. It's yeah. a me, Mario. <laughs> I hate Mondays. <laughs> Let's go. Nah, that was too good. That sounded too much like the runs of Yeah, no, that, that, was, cause that actually felt like something Garfield would say. Dude, I hate Mondays. John, where's my lasagna? There, that's one of the <laughs> uh, so. I'm going to mail Nermal to... Not even a try. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he must know how to pronounce Abu Dhabi because uh, much like all these other must-see TV actors, he's now playing a CIA agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Like, why is that the new trend? Where it's tall, not particularly in shape guys <laughs> who used to dress like Sipowitz in shitty NBC sitcoms are like, well, you're the new Jack Reacher. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else could do it. <laughs> who looks who looks like a Navy SEAL? Who looks like a Navy Jason Alexander? Yeah. <laughs> the difference is he's talented and funny. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, so between, like, what, what is, it's, it's not Jack Reacher, it's the Tom, uh, Ryan? Yeah, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, I wanted, I kept wanting to say Paul Ryan, but I don't know, it's somebody very slightly worse. Yeah, so, Jack Ryan, who, by the way, I, I looked it up, he's the fifth actor to play Jack Ryan, because mm -hmm. it, it was Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, and there was another one in there. I think so. And now, now Kaczynski, and you're like, it's not fucking Lear. Yeah. Like, I find it weird that we've had, like, five different people play the Joker. Yeah. An older and better character than Jack Ryan. Um, the thing I love about, slightly off topic, about Jack Reacher is that he's played by Tom Cruise, right? I think he was at one point... It's like a show now, so he's played by somebody else. Which is hilarious because uh, Jack Reacher is six foot six and a half. Yeah, isn't, isn't that his whole thing that he's like like a friendly Hulk or something? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's like if your secret agent was Violence Jack. <laughs> yeah, and then that's just funny casting, and it's it goes back to like the. I'll, I'll always remember uh, when I was in Scotland, 
and my tour guide, so somebody made like a Braveheart monument. Mm-hmm. They didn't commission it. <laughs> they didn't want it, and the locals would actually like graffiti it because <laughs> they want it was like ugly, and they wanted it to be taken down. But I still remember my tour guide saying, uh, "You know, you've got to leave it to Hollywood to make uh, a movie about Robert Roy McGregor, who was about five feet tall, and then you cast Liam Neeson, who's about seven feet tall, and then they took William Wallace, who's about seven feet tall." And they cast Mel Gibson, who's about five feet tall. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's uh, that's our little Bill Murray Lorenzo music thing right there. <laughs> uh, but I, I have heard that about uh, Tom Cruise and his friend Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> I cast a dog to play the elephant <laughs> in uh, Operation Dumbo Drop. So it was one of the, it was. Uh, one of the dogs from the boxes of from the box of Milo's that we didn't kill. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They oh, had boxes. They had boxes of Milo's. What's in the boxes? We're gonna need another Milo. It was Japanese, but I'm not gonna do the voice. <laughs> um, <so laughs> what do we do with the old Milo's? Uh, throw them over the waterfall. <laughs> That's the biggest because I liked that movie growing up. Yeah. That's such a bummer. The, the fact that, like, <laughs> there is, like, the Otis disposal unit at the end of the movie. It's yeah, it's so, like, it's so depressing that more animals were harmed on the set of that than on Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? <laughs> it's like, as you know, he's one of my favorite uh, directors, one of my favorite people. Like, the one thing that bugs me about Werner Herzog yeah. is that he, he always puts live animals in his movies, and, it, like, it's always really cool. Mm-hmm. But then when you find out, it's like, hey, what should we do with all the rats when we're done with Nosferatu? I don't know, burn them. <laughs> so what, what should we do with the beautiful thoroughbred stallion that uh, we used in this uh, last movie made with Klaus Kinski? Why don't you behead it on my front lawn like a Maasai warrior? <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> I, I hope that eventually, like, the iguanas and Bad Lieutenant mm. or the crabs and Invincible got slightly better treatment. <laughs> the movie is called Cobra Verde, named after the number of uh, the species of snake that I was torturing while I directed it. I once beat a cobra so badly that it straightened out, and I used it as a walking stick for the rest of the shoot. <laughs> uh, if Werner if Herzog ever made a film in, uh, what was it, Korea, uh, it would just be an uh, old boy, but it would be a loop of the uh, squid eating scene. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I think we got the last take. I'd like to do 23 more for coverage. <laughs> I'm so full. Please don't make me do this. You remember, you remember Fitzcarraldo? We were able to transport the boat over the mountain by making a series of platforms, a crude system consisting of logs and copybara corpses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I used to do a better herd song. I just need to hear them again. Because that's, no, that's just the choked Herzog. The best Herzog, the line I always think of is when uh, he was talking to the Dalai Lama, remember? Mm. He says, I was speaking to the Dalai Lama, and he said, 
You know, no one is truly infallible. And I said, well, please, Mr. Loma, don't tell my wife that. Uh, like, oh, oh, it's my, ho- my wife. <laughs> humor from Werner Herzog. My favorite line of his was, I am absolutely disgusted by the decadence of fancy restaurants. I think it is much more noble and respectable to simply stand on a sidewalk and eat a bag of Doritos. <laughs> I think we talked about that with him just having, like, orange fingers. <laughs> yeah. He, like, is, like, covering the camera. <laughs> it's like, wow, did you do, like, a weird, like, color correction tinting process for a gyre? No, that's actually just a bunch of Cheeto powder. <laughs> Bit off more than I could chew with the jalapeno. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then he is, of course, on Parks and Rec. Yeah, as the guy who sells them the haunted house. Stop the waterworks, people. Nobody wants to buy it because it's so old and creepy. I've lived here for 50 years, but now I am relocating to Orlando so I can be closer to Disney World. Um, so yeah, the main cast, of course, Nick Offerman is just legitimately one of the most interesting, coolest guys. Like, like not, he's just very talented, of course. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his, his background, where you're like, so they put in the jazz sax stuff because he is a saxophonist in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also studied Kabuki. Mm-hmm. He's also super into Call of Cthulhu RPG. Uh, he also appeared nude in Deadwood. And there's, I know he had, like, there, there was that run of a couple years where his whole shtick was like, the man's man. Mm-hmm. Rule number three on being a man. Make shit with your hands and be good at eating pussy. And, and it's like, it's kind of just like a shtick. But you're like, whatever, make your money while you can. No, I don't mean that cynically. Like, I'm glad he found something where he could go on tour once or twice and yeah. By Megan Mullally, something nice. And that's a that's another angle of him that I like. Just he's a life guy. Yeah, him and Megan Mullally being the proudest horny couple in the world. Rubbed off from friction. God, I used to be able to do a perfect him too. It's because I haven't watched the show, in fr- but you you can attest to this. Yeah, we watched a film about an orange fish that became separated from its father. Yeah. Um. No, I can't. I can't do it right now. I just sound like Del Close. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he's awesome, and you can tell they liked writing for him, of course. Uh, and just across the board, everybody's good. Adam Scott's good. Fucking Rob Lowe. It's literally the proudest I've ever been. Stop pooping. Yeah. And again, the, it's the dumbass fucking jokes that are the best. So like, with it's uh, Chris Treger, right? Rob Lowe's character, mm-hmm. how he's like this super alpha positive all the time. Yeah. And so he, he does like every morning, he like sprints seven miles to work. And so he has his breathable fabric. Uh, it's made exclusively out of honeycombs. And so it has the honeycomb pattern, like the way superhero costumes look. Yeah. And the material is called Bumble Flex. <laughs> like... That's that's the kind of shit that makes me like the show. <laughs> Whoever came up with Bumbleflex. Whoever thought that they should have Detlef Shrimp in every episode. <laughs> I will give them that too. They know their way around a stupid name. 
Mm. So it's like, what should we call the reporter? How about Shauna Mallway Tweep? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like Toast like of London. Sp- yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's close because Toast of London. The joke is always like, it's it's just like a word that's not a surname. So it's like Penelope Nightingale, James Flourish. Like, I love Toast of London names. Sally Plop and Guy Testes and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's it's always that, but like. Toast of London names are like Hogwarts names. Yeah. Like, that's what makes them funny. Whereas, like, Parks and Rec, I think they just keyed in on, like, what's, what is a funny sounding, not a word, but what's a funny sounding sound? I think on these shows, one of my favorite silly names was uh, on Rest Development. Sally Sitwell. Yeah. Because it just sounds like a children's book character. Who knows how to sit really well. And then you remember what, what was the shell company stand for? <laughs> and they think it's Lucille 2's company because of her vertigo. Mm. Oh no, they, they always did that. Like, like Sally Lizer or Maggie Lizer. Um, I mean, Bob Loblaw. Mm. The name funnier than the character. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh... I remember, I don't know why this always stuck with me, but, like, that was one of Lauren Michaels, like, things about comedy. He said, don't give your characters silly names because it's desperate. And I get what he means. You don't have a sketch where, like, Will Forte enters and it goes, oh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Fluffer-Guffer. And you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. That shit's not funny, but... Come on, Miss Hinklefinkle, it don't send me. Yeah, it doesn't send you. See, you agree with me. God damn it. So I, I do think that that's true, but it's because a name like Mrs. Hinklefinkel isn't funny. Mm. A name like Rufus T. Firefly is mm. funny. Otis B. Driftwood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. J. Cleaver Loophole. Like, those are funny names. And it's not their best movie, but I, did, I was always fond of S. Quentin Quayle. Y- yeah, that's a Because good. of what it's a reference to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... We're all over the map of funny. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. And then even <coughs> Aziz as uh, Tom, which Tom's... I like how he's just, like, not in the last season because Aziz was filming, like, two sitcoms and five stand-up specials yeah. at the same time. Uh, but Tom's funny enough. Like, it's... Aziz kind of just does his thing, but I, I don't mind, like, being, oh, no! <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yo, I was leaning against one. Of, uh, I was leaning against a fence earlier, and I was like, "God damn, this is a comfortable fence. This must be one of Dave's fences." Like, yeah, maybe. I have. I'm not unfond of that. It's the one. Maybe come over to your place the next morning. We can have some breakfast, scrambled eggs, bacon, some rice krispies. Beef- oh, shut up! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she, she just had enough of it. Yeah. Do you remember who he said he based the character on? Who? Oh. Tom Haverford, he said he's based on Blackadder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a way... Like, it doesn't come through. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think in the first season, it was like, well, Leslie's an idiot, and Tom is, like, this conniving prick who gets the best of her. But then they completely retool the show, so Leslie's, like, smart, and Tom yeah. likes her, because everyone likes her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I like the jokes, I like the guest stars... I like funny. I like the that stupid book they did. Right? Yeah, there is a uh, 
There are landfills out there that are full of comedy books. Yeah. So like like Samantha Bee's like two hundred page autobiography or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, or like... The Sexy Book of Sexy Sex by Christian Scholl. Yeah. At least that's some good illustrations. Yeah. Uh, but, the Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> but there's stuff like the, the head writer of The Daily Show who started tweeting his God and then collected the tweets into a book and it cost $27. And, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Good Night Obama coloring book. But, the, you know, there is like a small subsection of gems like... Novels by Chris Elliott, or the knowledge compendiums from John Hodgman. Or State by State with the State, if you can get a copy. <laughs> so, yeah, which a lot of that's like, I like that better than the actual show. Yeah, that's the like, weird part. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, the, the Parks and Rec book is weirdly good. Something that should be like, you know, 60 pages long and just be like, black and white set photographs. Yeah. And instead they go all out to actually make it like a full scale, like America the book or Wakefield. Mm-hmm. They're like, this this is good. This has like extra good jokes in it. I like this. Yeah. Um, stuff like the local PBS affiliate with the uh, pleasant older woman who's a painter, but who eventually starts taking a, a DMT and mushrooms during the shows. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're sitting here going on and on about bits and what we liked and everything. What has not aged well about this show? Some of the, and I don't want to sound like a cynic, but I mean, kind of what is the choice nowadays? Um, a lot of the hopefulness see like not even the hopefulness it's it, there's a naivete to it yeah like that we can find middle ground which probably isn't the case and just different little things like the fact that uh a lot of the cast has become kind of annoying like in real life you yeah. i mean you have you have the business with aziz you have the fact that Chris Pratt has completely worn out his welcome. You have, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name is, uh, like very, like weirdly anti-sex worker. Oh yeah. So it's, dude, we, we can just like do bullet points on a scale of like one to Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is with Chris Pratt, it's not even any one thing. Where it's like, oh, he, he like, uh, you know, got me to it or something. Yeah. He, like, he didn't, weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, I, I remember back when I was on Twitter, I, I did have that conversation. I, like, made some crack and somebody called me called me out and said, like, oh, like, you, you're just dunking on the guy because, you know, because of his faith. You're just making fun of him for being religious. So, like, that means he doesn't get to be in movies. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, Doug Jones is religious, and I wish he was in more movies. Yeah. Like, I don't... I, I, it's one of those things, like, I want to be really clear. I don't care about Chris Pratt's personal life. I am tired of him being in stuff. Yeah. It's not like, oh, did you know his church uh, has been affiliated with gay conversion therapy camps? I'm not annoyed with him about that. I'm annoyed with him about Jurassic World. 
like the thing he does for a living that like because I don't see him at church. Mm-hmm. I see him on screens. Yeah. I don't like what he's been doing on screens lately. Yeah. <laughs> um like literally like literally have not liked him in something since the show ended. Because it's like, go on the show, like the first Guardians. I'll give him the second Guardians. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like, oh, that one with Jennifer Lawrence, who's also not getting tiresome. <laughs> the, the one where it's just the two of them on a spaceship. <laughs> that, that's for me. Thank you. <laughs> Make mine Marvel. <laughs> um, no, I, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, but yeah, and like, I'm not trying to do those shitty websites like, your fave is totes problematic. That's short for problematic. Yeah. Like, I don't get, I don't give a shit. I will watch movies written by John Milius. Mm-hmm. Every novelist is a right winger, and I still like novels. You know, like Dune is awesome, <laughs> and look at Frank Herbert. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, I don't need to. It's only when it like overtakes it. So like, yeah. the sheer annoyingness of Eric Clapton is enough to eclipse the fact that I like two of his songs. Yeah. Whereas there's people who are, like, probably worse than him, but, like, I like more of their catalog, though. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is one of those things, like, nobody nobody can judge, nobody can... Well, like, here's why you need to not be into Kelsey Grammer anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's a purely personal, like, I'm sick of that guy's face. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways... If you yeah remove like Jim O'Hare and Retta from the equation, as far as I know, everybody else and I, I guess Nick Offerman too actually, uh, and and Aubrey Plaza. So that's okay. That's half the cast. Okay, but also, <laughs> I get that that's half the cast. But if you look at the rest, it's like Aziz. I don't think what he did crosses the line of like sexual assault, but he was certainly sexually annoying. Mm-hmm. So when people, there's that useful term, sex pest. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, he never, like, put anything in anybody's drink, but he does call everyone on staff a hachi mama. Yeah. And, like, it got old. He wouldn't mm-hmm. stop. Like, that level. That's what a sex pest is. So, yeah, he was pesty with sex. Mm-hmm. Chris Brad insufferable. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then uh, Adam Scott, I don't know much about. Uh, he's like a prick and everything, so he's probably nice in real life. Yeah. Then the reverse of that is Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, I always forget how much of a creep Rob Lowe is. Yes. Yeah. Because I find him very likable and very funny. Yeah, it's, a, it's like what they say about his character in the specials. You have the greatest power of all of us. You can make people like you. Yeah, exactly. And I do, like, I like him in... Every, like Tommy Boy mm-hmm. and like Austin Powers and the specials and this like I love Rob Lowe and pretty much everything so I like him better doing comedy I guess I don't care mm-hmm. if he just plays like the president or something uh, but then I forget oh wait um, he's a Republican who's into teenagers yeah so whenever I make fun of James Woods mm-hmm. almost everything I think <laughs> about James Woods applies to yeah. Rob Lowe the difference is that if I look at a picture of James Woods' face, I go, oh, no. <laughs> Whereas I look at Rob Lowe, and I'm like, oh, cool, he's in this? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, he, 
I guess that that's like as good of an actor as he is. It's like I forgot that you fucked a fifteen year old and then <laughs> bragged about it. Yeah, that, well, well, oh, me. <laughs> I forgot that you when they asked you who you were going to vote for in twenty twenty, you gave one of those jury still out answers. Which, by the way, that's so much more annoying than just saying Trump. Yeah, I I love that. Like every article. That I would read, like, up to the prime. Because there was that week where it looked like Bernie was doing okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to relitigate that. God knows. But I love the, the one guy who said, man, this is like Washington Post. Said, man, if it comes down to, to Bernie or Trump, I, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. Like, okay, guy who's going to vote for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know why you have to, like, dance around it. Mm-hmm. The second most... What, second highest number of votes in American history? Maybe yeah. it goes Biden, then Trump, mm-hmm. then Obama. I think so. Yeah, so why do people have to be cagey about, like, I don't know. I don't like his, I don't like his personality, but I do like his policies. And I also do like his personality. <laughs> um, okay, so we got the, the, Amy Poehler is, I think she's pretty cool. I think she's insanely talented mm-hmm. as a comedian. Uh, it did bum me out when she and the rest of the UCB gang were just like, oopsie doodle with the theater closing. Yeah. Like, I'm not the first person to say this, but the UCB business model, you charged audiences and performers and somehow you still could not afford the theater space. Yeah. Like, it was still a poorly run business. And, like, I love I love all of, like, Walsh, Besser, Ian Roberts, like, mm-hmm. the Comedy Central. Yeah. Francis's Brigade. Zzz's Brigade. I think they're all very funny, and I want to like them. But during the pandemic, when they just went like, uh, uh-oh, the theater's closing uh, permanently and we're going to sell it as retail space. Uh, no refunds, but uh, we will be holding Zoom classes. And then just every 24-year-old going like, I moved to L.A. for this. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and two of them don't have rich parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that bummed me out. And then same thing, Rashida Jones is mostly really cool, but... She did her whole documentary about, like, the, the perils of sex work mm-hmm. and, like, why it's bad for women. It's like, no, it's bad for women when they can't just do their jobs. Yeah. Like, if you let women just do this without sticking your nose in their business and, and you know, let them unionize, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, it turns out when you get a couple of women, like, working together on this stuff, uh they're like safer and it's easier for them and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's that like Seth Meyers, same thing. I, I like Seth Meyers mostly, but he was the same thing. Like we're crusading against, you know, human trafficking and all this stuff. And it's the sort of push that doesn't actually change any of that. Yeah. But now it's impossible for only fans, uh, women to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's like, Support your the, local OnlyFans, girl. <laughs> yes. But it's that sort of like the road to hell is paved with good intentions thing, which is maybe the point of the entire sitcom. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like none of these one things is a deal breaker. I, I do like Rashida Jones. I do. Yeah. I guess I still like his I haven't seen him in anything since then. 
but but it really is just like god damn like it's uh if only we were all spotless like uh, rain wilson or something. i don't i don't know anything about rain wilson i rain, assume he's a nice guy he i think he's like a nice guy but he he has no fixed political party he says like oh. he's like i i vote for whoever i think will do the best job i i that was totally i was not even like well let's get into rain wilson now if he votes against me, I'm not going to watch The Office. I literally just, like, what's yeah. the fun... Like, who's the Kramer of The Office? Yeah. Like, I, I was... Not, not not jumping on you, I was not looking for an answer. <laughs> I do not care. Like, in every sense, I do not care. Um, and then... Okay, maybe the big thing is the show itself... What was it about the Obama years that seemed, that had that, like, well, the problems are fixed vibe? Because it felt like, people say that about the 90s, but there was at least, like, a desert mirage of that in the 90s. Mm. Like, well, I guess, I guess we did kind of get rid of wars. I guess we aren't as racist as we used to be. I think a lot of it hinged on... Him being like nerd cool, uh huh, and just the the astonishment of finally getting a black president. Yeah, it's what? like there, there was the whole there was the whole thing people joke about then of like, oh, what take black president racism assault. Yeah. Oh, and which when people didn't joke about that, I know what you mean, but like like. I, I can say that ironically, but I had people in my life who were like, they would get racist and then go like, what? I voted for Obama. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, what, what was the thing with the, not, not to go off on a tangent, but you remember like the Bill Burr thing? Mm-hmm. Bill Burr, who like a lot of comedians like exaggerates and says things to get a reaction. And I don't like, I don't even, not like a big Bill Burr defender, but. I don't think he's a bad guy. Yeah. Right? Uh, just maybe not for me. But he did some, like, set on SNL or whatever. Yeah, and the gay pride thing? Oh, yeah, there was that. And, like, he made some crack, and people were calling him a, a racist. And then somebody's response was, uh, did you know his wife's black? Like, <sighs> probably wouldn't be married to a black uh, woman if he was a racist. And I... Uh, that's so, not a get out of jail free card. Yeah, it's what it, it's so crazy to me because it's like okay, I don't think Bill Burr's a racist because I don't. Yeah, like I just I just don't think he is. Having said that, I fuck black women as a racist get out of jail free card. It's like, look, I'm as non racist as Strom Thurmond or Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> like, when the fuck did that like like? As far as like having a black president. That is, that is a big deal. Yeah. That's really cool. That was cool. I lo- like, I remember when Trump got elected and people said, like, oh, well, it's, this is unprecedented to have Trump as president. Even though he, Trump physically looks like yeah. at least 12 other presidents we've had. And we've already had a shitty actor as a president. Yeah. Where, I, <laughs> I swear to God, like, we, yeah, we've had, A, he's just Reagan. Yeah. Like a, you know, a, a guy with an IMDb page and, like, holes in his brain. 
Mm-hmm. Then again, B, I can't stress this enough. He he looks like a president. If you if you showed me a black and white photo of Donald Trump, yeah, I would go, did Taft shave his mustache? Oh, oh, it's Trump. Yeah. Is that the teapot dome guy? Oh no, it's it's more hair. It must be Donald Trump. <laughs> and and so the the one thing that's remarkable is that he had no service record. Mm-hmm. And that that part's true. It's always been like a general or somebody coming from a political career. Yeah. So he's the first dude who like like sidled his way into mm-hmm. the presidency. Besides that, though, when it's like, oh, well, he's like a, a big, fat, mean conservative uh, who isn't taking the job very seriously and uh, kind of overweight and like uh, uses the office to abuse his enemies and all this stuff. Like, you just desc- you just described Clinton. Yeah, you just described all of the presidents. Donald Trump is not an exceptional president. The fact that we had a skinny black guy as president, just the one, yeah. that we have half a black guy as president, that's the exceptional <laughs> That's the don't hold your breath one. <laughs> I feel like we got a couple more, like, you know, Toadfish, Ted Cruz's, and DeSantis's before we circle back to, like, oh, dude, is there, like, a Cory Booker but with charisma that we could turn to? <laughs> And then out of that, you get Parks and Rec, which is the, the perfect, like, you know, maybe there's some beauty to be found in small-town America, and maybe we can all work together, and just nothing has ever been more wrong. Yeah. Right? Uh, but still, the, the, the idea that, like, uh, oh, like, Ron and uh, Leslie could work together. Like, no, they... They wouldn't. He would, like, put child pornography on her laptop and get her arrested. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's also that, the fact that it's a show about uh, uh, the politics and people who work in politics. We went seven seasons without a single pedophile. Yeah. I beg your part. I mean, I know it's a parody, but there has to be some element of reality that we can latch on to. Um, but I, know, I have some thoughts on that, but I am carrying on. Like, what what do you think? Uh, do, do you see anything about the show's like, not its humor, which I think is funny, but like the ethos, the attitude has like, does any of that carry on, or is it just like, eesh? <laughs> I think what it is is that. A lot of people really want the Parks and Rec mentality, the Parks and Rec kind of worldview to be true, like we can work together, all this stuff. And I don't think people realize that that can't really happen. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest hiccups of the show is that, like I said, the naivete of thinking like, two polar opposites will come together. Yeah. And it's it's that and the idea that everybody is fundamentally decent. Mm-hmm. Except like I like the Tammies are just like straight up cartoon characters. So that's that doesn't count. Yeah. But everybody else, it's like uh Adam Scott and Rob Lowe come in as like maybe not villains, but antagonists in the third season. Yeah. Like, they're going to shut down, like, the government and cut the budget and get people fired. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but but you... They end up becoming boyfriends. Yeah, you like them, 
Like, they, they're sweethearts. At worst, they're just doing their job. And, it's, and by the way, like, I don't, maybe there's some bureaucratic middle managers, like, maybe not the most evil thing you could be, but it's like they're introduced like that, but they're not actually that bad. And they have Paul uh, Rudd as, like, Bobby Newport, like, the dumbest shit, like, the Frederick Bellacourt mm-hmm. uh, antagonist who's, like, running against Leslie. He's just a sweetheart, after all. Yeah. And he's I, too dumb to be evil. Yeah, and it's, I, I remember, I don't agree with all of, like, the reassessment articles, but I did love somebody who used Bobby as an example of that. They say, the show makes the case that most people are, uh, are dumb but not evil. It fails to allow that there are people who are both. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Kind of, there's more of those that you'd maybe like to think about comfortably. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that's where the show falls apart. And that brings us in a moment, I guess, to like Councilman Jam. But even Jam gets redeemed. Yeah. Even he is just revealed to be pathetic. And ultimately, he kind of buries the hatchet with like Leslie. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like the character was refreshing because he was purely malicious mm-hmm. and even then they're like he's I, I get bummed out he's too obnoxious it's like can you imagine what jam to, would be like in can, real life yeah, now it's like imagine talking to ted cruz like leave, leave aside like what he thinks and what he wants this country to be and what he has already done to this country i mean like if he was just wearing a parka and his car broke down and you were both in a Waffle House at the same time. And imagine he tried striking up a conversation with you. Can you imagine what it would be like to engage with him on a human, personal level? It would be utter, utterly yeah. terrifying. And then that's, that's what happens with all of these guys. With They always say, like, oh, like, you know, I, I know you hate them uh, as political figures, but in real life, they're kind of charming. So in real life, Roger Ailes was like a, a real like customer. Oh no! But like Bush had a great sense of humor, and anytime they say somebody has a great sense of humor, it just means they give people nicknames. Yeah, yeah. It's just like oh no no no. Uh, Bill O'Reilly in real life is just a hoot, and Bill O'Reilly is in real life is like hey shitty, shitty, bring me my beer, shitty. And you're like wow, you fucking bring me my donut. <laughs> fucking those are his kids. <laughs> 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 Uh, it just has one foot on each one's head. <laughs> it's just, it reaches down. Does your hair come off like your mom's? Oh, no, I guess not. <laughs> okay. So, fuck that guy. <laughs> the real lighthearted episode, I know. But, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's the problem. And, and I, like, I don't... I don't mean to sound cynical, like, if you ask me, do like, oh, do you, well, do you think people are inherently bad? Of course not. I, I think people are capable of like uh, unimaginable charity and like empathy and and unity and everything. But it, for me, it's not like oh, that like people are inherently wicked. Mm-hmm. It's like no, but some people are. Yeah, some people are as close to being pure evil. The, you don't have to worry about, like, the like Hitler was nice to dogs. Like, mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah. 
Uh, and half of those aren't true either. But it's like, yeah, I, I don't actually care if, like, Mitch McConnell, like, the creatures he kills, like, the bones are arranged in quite remarkable outsider art. I'm trying to think of what a positive thing for him would be. Well, like, when, like, when he brushes his hand against something and it deliquesces, like, the remains of the body are good for the soil. <laughs> so he has, like, a neutral carbon footprint. I, I don't know what his thing would be. He's like that one Anno Dracula character. Yeah. The most evil man who ever died. Yeah. Like, yeah. Caleb Croft. Caleb Croft. Like, like, literal, like, miasma of death that hangs around <laughs> him. People get sick when they're around him. The temperature drops. Do you remember the one time Mitch McConnell had necrotic skin? <laughs> yes. Like, it was, for, there was, like, a year, uh, or, like, a month where, like, one of his hands was just black. Yeah. Like, Dumbledore <laughs> or Ray from Archer. Yeah. Not, like, spots, but just, like, is is it, like, fake? Is it, like, the hand from Happy Gilmore? Like, what is that thing? <laughs> it's like the guy from Dylan Dog. Yeah. The movie where the zombie guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not turning into the creature from I have no mouth yet. I must scream. <laughs> I just banged it in a door. <laughs> One of my fingers fell off, but I still got the five left. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the Lich King. Um... That's my favorite thing. But of course, I hate Trump, especially after what this last week heralded him. Mm-hmm. But you're still like, man, Donald Trump is easily like the 70th least likable <laughs> Republican I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, like, I know, like, he is, to all intents and purposes, he is the Antichrist in every way that, like, in every sense that matters. Mm-hmm. My God, I would rather, like, go to a movie with him than Paul Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Or or any of the people that he appointed to the court. Yeah. Like, well, I hate him for doing that, but I still like him more than them. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways. Uh, Parks and Rec. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the thing that I think falls through is just, like, it can't come together. It can't work together. Um, I remember this from almost 10 years ago, but there was one article that said uh, when Jeremy Jam was first introduced on the show, they thought he was too broad, mm-hmm. too villainous. And they're like, no, nobody is this petty. Nobody would just be this cruel, barely even for personal gain. And then you're like, what, for reals? <laughs> and there was even an article at the time where they said uh, like I used to think uh, Jeremy Jam was unrealistic and then the government shutdown happened yeah and you look you look back at that where you're like the shutdown in like 2012 or whenever that was it's like well Ted Cruz like made it so that like park rangers couldn't get paid for a month or two which yeah. I like that sucks I'm talking yeah. wrong but like Believe it or not, they might even do one or two worse things in the, the interviewing years. <laughs> Gosh. So, so you mean to tell me that postal workers missed a paycheck or two? Mm-hmm. So, um, by the way, it sounds like I'm making digs at postal workers and park rangers. Like, I, The joke is not them. The joke mm-hmm. is like, 
that was the thing. The debt ceiling is what we were yeah. worried about. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, yeah, and so what do, you, what do you think of Jem? Your namesake, <laughs> Jeremy Jem. Uh, I think the character still holds up. Yeah. Just because of the energy and douchey likability of John Glazer. Yeah. There is nobody alive who would be better playing that character than John Glazer. Yeah. Yeah. John Glazer, like, it's like what I said about him and Brent Gilman. I've heard they're both just absolute sweethearts. They play the most repulsive comedy characters. Yeah. And Jam, the details are great, so the fact that he's just, like, an Asia-file but doesn't know anything... Yeah. So it's like, I'm into Japanese crap, you know, like Crouching Tiger and Ninjas, that kind of stuff. And so he's like the guy who wears kimonos and like makes Benihana, but it's just pancakes and uh, like scrambled eggs. Yeah. And a, I, a legit good joke, in his uh, house he has kanji on his wall. Yeah. Somebody pointed out if you translate, it's Japanese kanji that says North Korea. <laughs> So it's like the Tina Fey joke about uh, the woman who has uh, hieroglyphics that when translated read Celtic symbol. Jam <laughs> <laughs> um, is great. Jam is introduced. Uh, people said he's like the only real villain on the show. And even then he ends up like, oh, well, he's a softie after all. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but even then, like, Jam's whole thing is that, like, he wants to, like, open a restaurant uh, or, like, like a shitty, like, Fuddruckers so people, people's teeth will be worse and they'll have to come to his, uh, his dental office. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the level of Jam's evil. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but, it, like, if you did one of those, like, what if this were real life things, mm. what, what would, like, it wouldn't even be, you couldn't even, like, make jokes. This is like, what if Jam were a real Republican in 2022? You're like, oh, well, then he would uh, probably, like, sexually assault April and then record it and uh, threaten to release the footage to Andy if uh, he did, if she didn't agree to get his vote put up before the city council. Yeah, he'd, he'd basically, like, in his dentist's office, he would give pain, he would give painkillers to, like, Hispanic kids, but it would actually be poison, like white face from uh, Squawk and Sinister. <laughs> no, exactly. And like, it's it's like not a lot of fun to do this game, but when you're like, oh, you know what was always great about Parks and Rec was uh, those uh, town hearings. Mm-hmm. Whenever they'd like, like Leslie would do a proposal, and like all the yokels from the, Bonnie, the Pat Oswalt thing is yeah. So you'd have all the dumb people showing up, and the like. Uh, in a couple of weeks, school is going to be out for the summer. What am I supposed to do with my kids then? Are they just supposed to be at the house all day where I live? Yeah. Now, of course, jokes like that, that that's, that's great. Those, those are some of my favorite scenes. But you're like, oh, I mean, if this is, we're in real life, then, uh, I mean, one of these, somebody would just drive a car into most of these people mm-hmm. at this point. It's like, oh, look, some, uh, some young women, uh. Just marching peacefully in front of a building. Better hop in the SUV. <laughs> da-dunk, da-dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, the, the, like, I, I don't even want to, like, do a riff on it because it would just be, like, 
what what if Jeremy Jam shot up a ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not actually that funny. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if you think I'm exaggerating, look up the guy who's almost certainly going to be the uh, uh, next senator in Missouri this fall. Yeah, like that guy's a piece of war- he's a piece of something. Yeah, <laughs> so and, and like there's there's uh, there's nothing to it. Like in real life, the real life jam would be like too evil. Yeah. It w- like, it wouldn't be funny. It wouldn't work dramatically, because you're like, why Why does Jam want to, like, take away school lunch programs? Like, why Why does Jam want to make it so that history, uh, books, and Pawnee have to refer to it as the War of Northern Aggression? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and also, that's what this show would be at this point, would just be, like, uh, Jam calling everybody a pedophile. Yeah. Yeah. And then also himself being... A yeah, oh yeah. Like, yeah you you can't overlook that part. He would mm-hmm. absolutely be a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the frustrating thing. Like, the show gave the world Ron Swanson, and you know, with it, Nick Offerman, who was yeah. great. One of, like, the great comedic gifts you could ever ask for. And then it's kind of not worth it, because the flip side of having all these great Ron Swanson episodes is that... Every libertarian you know thinks he's Ron Swanson. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. Yeah, and, and every libertarian I know thinks that they're as cool as Ron, and none of them are as cool as Jam. Yeah. yeah. When, when, so they brought it back for, like, the lockdown mm-hmm. special. Yeah. I mean, every show did one of those. Yeah. I'm not going to make fun of that, because they just donated it to, like, charity or shit, didn't they? I think so, yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't matter that it kind of sucked like it's it's for a good cause i don't mind that but it does raise the question of like what the fuck would parks and rec look like these days i don't know be like unrecognizable right and that's that's why i don't want to just sit here and do like the what what if parks and rec was realistic yeah it's it's like funny for five minutes but then after a while it's like do you remember those... This is another Obama-era thing that died. You remember the... Uh, what if so-and-so had realistic proportions? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what What if Jessica Rabbit were a human? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, she'd probably look like Jordan Carver or like Christina Hendricks. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. What if, what if she was? It's like, no, she, she like probably wouldn't have that waist. Mm-hmm. The, that they literally animated her like that to, to show that there was not a human that they were rotoscoping. Yeah. Yeah. And then those weird things where it's like, well, what, what if Captain America was a human and not a cartoon character? He'd be in good shape. What are you talking about? He'd be Chris Evans. Yeah. What you... You, you remember my... And I know you saw this too. My favorite of those they ever did was the Batman one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those? Like, what if Batman and the villains had realistic proportions? Not really. No, okay. This this was like... I think maybe this is what got Trump elected, actually. <laughs> no. But it was, uh, it was like, what if uh, the Batman characters had realistic proportions, which, right away, who wants the Penguin and the Joker to look like a normal human? Or Riddler or Catwoman. Yeah, like, Riddler does just look like a guy, but, like, Penguin and Joker aren't supposed to look like healthy human beings. Yeah. So, but anyways, it was, so it was, uh, I think Batman the Animated Series. 
Mm-hmm. So like some Batman Adventures comics that use that art style. Yeah. It was like, what if the characters had realistic proportions? And so it's just like, everybody's like, they MS painted them, so they were like 25% wider. Yeah. And so you had like Poison Ivy, looks like A.D. Bryant or something, which by the way, I'm not personally complaining about. Yeah. But you do know we have both kinds, right? Yeah. Like... The whole thing of, like, real women have courage. Yeah, some don't. Yeah, really? Some just fucking don't. There are other real women who are just vampire hunter D. Like, it's just shoulders to ankles, and it's just a straight line. Yeah. They're actually real women, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate, like, the, like, hey, fat people are beautiful, too. Like, yeah. I'm totally fine with that, but it's, like, the, the point is, like, no, but, like, also skinny men and women are also good-looking, like... Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of all across the spectrum, I think, is the point that we were trying to make. So it's one thing to do that with, like, you know, what if there were, like, a thick Harley or something? You're like, yeah, what if? Go on with your story? What, what would she... Is she, like, getting something out of the oven? What's thick Harley up to now? <laughs> Go on, describe it to me. <laughs> uh, but then my favorite one, so they, they had, like, some of the villains like that. And they had Batman, and Batman was... Batman built like Chris Pratt in the first four seasons of Parks and Rec. <laughs> so Batman from the serials. Yes, yeah, no, he looked exactly like that. And it was like, what if Batman had these human proportions? And you're like, I don't think he would look like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, like, I'm, I'm not... He would be built like a boxer or something. Right, I'm like, I, I'm not here, he does, he's... Very rich and very smart. He doesn't need me running interference for him. But yeah. I'm pretty sure if we're playing this game, what if Batman were a real guy? I bet he'd be in good shape. Yeah, like I, Affleck from... I Yeah, I bet that if Batman were real and existed as a real human guy made of flesh and blood, he would be in at least as good of shape as... Kumail Nanjani is right now. I yeah. think he could manage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, but you look at those and they're so stupid and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do the same thing of like, what if this borderline cartoon sitcom was like real life right now? Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, like Obama era stuff uh-huh. that actually did age well. And while we were talking, I made this list and yeah. This is really just stuff I just pulled out of my ass. Yeah. And I might be getting the timing wrong, but for me it's stuff like uh, somethingawful.com. Okay, yeah, something awful because it doesn't age. Yeah. It's never in good taste. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. R.I.P. Low Tax. Mm-hmm. Um, PFFR. Same thing. If you're always thing. offensive, then you never <laughs> have to walk it back. I dug a lot of the Adult Swim stuff in that period. Like, that was when I was watching a little bit more anime. Um, I don't know if Homestar Runner fits in. I It does, but I, uh, I'm thinking of stuff that's at least, like, arguably political. Oh. Yeah, so not, not to... Sh- I like... Because my last Homestar. one was going to be Epic Rap Battle, which is oh. more political than <laughs> you might realize, but... <laughs> No, I know what you... And I love Homestar as much as the next person. Uh, but 
the whole point there is that it is like just entirely in its own little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of it like, like, well, has have these stand-ups aged well? Or and, and that, by the way, that's that's a stupid yeah. thing to to base a whole episode on. Like, has this aged well? It's like no. And if it has, then it, like check back in ten years and it won't have. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that. I just thought this was a fun excuse to maybe look back on some stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, ca- kind of just to acknowledge what a weird cultural moment it was without going like, and that's why Mike Sure should apologize. Mm-hmm. Like, no, pl- please. I hope nobody takes any of this in that sense. Um, but yeah, like Homestar Runner is apolitical, like Joe Para. Yeah, is apolitical, whereas uh, something like PFFR or like Wonder Shows on, mm. or like Moral Oral. Yeah, no, that was actually uh, I think that had some stuff on its mind. Perhaps. Yeah, uh, in a way that like, I just Perfect Hair Forever wasn't political. Yeah, I guess. Um, and I can think of shows like I say, Thirty Rock has aged well just by being like the joke conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. I mean, curb your enthusiasm is basically stood the test of time, despite like, yeah. twenty years old. Because yeah. you can look back on it now, and it's like, oh, that's like, that's weird, but it's from two thousand four. So who cares? Like my brain works, so I understand. Yeah. It's like the producers. The producers isn't popular right now. No, but it was when that came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as stuff that is explicitly political that I think has aged well, like a, a comedy that has somehow aged like wine, fucking Veep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, I don't think they meant it to. I think if you went to like Armando Yanucci and like the Veep peeps, mm-hmm. <laughs> they would go, yeah, we didn't intend for half of this to come true. Yeah. And like, and like the last season was the only one that, like, overlapped with Trump. And even then, they were like, we we can't make Jonah more annoying than Trump is in real life, but we can still do certain things with the characters. Yeah. So it was very much, like, ended at the right time, but still mm-hmm. was able to, like, do that magic trick. Yeah. Um, yeah, v- Veep has just aged immaculately. Now, you could argue that, like, Veep is Parks and Rec's evil twin. <laughs> and the whole point is that in Parks and Rec, there's only one truly despicable character, and that's Jam. Yeah. And he's the only character that feels realistic in 2022. Yeah. So the flip side now is, like, the only likable character on Veep is uh, Richard Splett. And that's just because he's, like, an autistic goofball. Mm-hmm. Whereas everybody else is like, yeah, I, I assure you everybody who works in Washington is, like, Jonah is the most likable person living in D.C. right now. Yeah. Or working in D.C. I guess some poor people are stuck there. Um, so, yeah, I don't, and weirdly, I don't hear people talk about it that much. Like, when it comes up, people go like, oh, Veep, a profane masterpiece from mm-hmm. But but it like it, it's it doesn't get bandied about that much. And I'm like, I think outside of the Danny McBride stuff, that is like the HBO comedy. Yeah, to beat in the last fucking like twenty years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, and then McBride's a, like that. That's kind of like 
almost post Obama, but yeah, I think you can learn more about like the American moment by watching all of the Danny McBride shows than by watching all of the David Simon shows at this yeah. point. <laughs> so Veep's aged extremely well. And anyways, well, this is a very long episode. My fault as usual. So we can wrap it up. But the one thing I will say, just as a counterweight, I cannot go back and watch Parks and Rec because the politics like just make my skin crawl at this point. Yeah. But yeah, when you get like last letters home before a war or something, it's like, thank goodness it'll all be over. And like, then there's like a little placard that says they died in a shelling the next day. Yeah. So I'm being non specific with the example. But when you read those letters, you go, like, gee, oh, it's, and they were so happy. And they were one day away from retirement. Like, Parks and Rec is the show that for seven years was one day away from retirement. Mm-hmm. Things are going to keep getting better. The whole world is coming up. Nope. <laughs> like, it's like, don't worry. We're going to have a lady president. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we sure are into the paddy wagon. <laughs> and then like the reveal in the last season is like Leslie has just been like stabbing her cat for the last seven years. <laughs> it was all an hallucination. <laughs> no, it's, uh, so it, it's, it's, Almost impossible to go back to in that sense. Also, I just don't like sitcoms anymore. Just yeah. like, I want to hang out with the characters. I want to hang out with my friends. Yeah, I, like, you know you can do that for free, right? <laughs> like, I get I get why, like, in 2020, you, you couldn't, but you don't have to keep watching Friends anymore if yeah. you're Vax. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can watch Friends with a small F now. <laughs> um... So I, I wouldn't want to go back to it, but can I criticize my own camp just briefly? Sure. The Vola, T-H-U-H-L-E-F-T. Mm-hmm. I, get, I, I certainly get annoyed looking back at, like, the West Wing and Parks and Rec and, like, mm-hmm. this is dumb shit. And at the same time... That, that's such an asinine argument because at the end of the day, doesn't that come back to the idea that media controls what you do as a person? Yeah, which is stupid. Yeah. It shouldn't. So, like, when, you know, the Chapo guys, like, make fun of Aaron Sorkin and the West Wing constantly. Or there's that whole show, The West Wing Thing, which mm-hmm. is very funny. Um, good. Get his ass. I don't like Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. I think he's overrated Kind of comes off like a prick in real life. Like, make fun of him till the cows come home. But is to say that, like, West Wing is emblematic of a certain kind of liberal delusion mm-hmm. is fair. To say that it caused that, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And same thing, you go like, well, you know, people, we're in the position we are now because too many people took Parks and Rec to heart and thought that they could work with the Ron Swansons of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a show. Yeah. Like, this, and that, that's, that's the part I don't get. The same people who, if, you, if I shut up and say, like, hey, did you know that, like, uh, hip-hop songs uh, make you want to, like, shoot other kids? You'd laugh me out of the room, right? Yeah. Yeah, the same people who would, like, just make the biggest eye-roll jerk-off motions at, like, 
violent movies cause shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are cri- criminals because Scarface was cool. Yeah. And you, you're like, give me a fucking break. Like, what are you, five? Justifiably, how do you justify it in reverse? How do you, how do you say, like, well, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg watched too much uh, West Wing, and that's why he has that personality. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he has that personality, and that made him like stuff like the yeah. West Wing. Like, yeah. It's, I, I, I won't carry on endlessly because I think you get the point, but that's the strangest thing that I, I've noticed lately. And it's, yeah, I'm not going to argue if you get like 50 years of like the same relentless messaging, like maybe it contextualizes things because you don't even understand something else is like possible or like, mm-hmm. or like oh wait, like maybe like the shit I grew up watching was propaganda the same way it has been in every other country in human history. I'm not saying that shit doesn't exist, but perfect example, and then we'll end on it, but like the the Roe v. Wade, horrible decision, right? Mm -hmm. And inevitably you get one or two people saying, uh, well, did you notice there were all these these like pro-life comedies in uh, the, like the last 20 years where it's like, you notice how, like, Juno and, knocked like, up. Knocked Up, anytime there's, uh, I, I guess that's not, like, an obvious child with Jenny Slate, you know, props to her, but every other movie is, like, there's a couple and, like, the, or I guess not a couple in Juno's case, but, like, a woman gets pregnant and has to decide what to do with the baby and it's, like, they either stay together and raise it or she puts it up for adoption or she decides she wants it anyways. And, and like, and it's true. There was like a decade where it's like, we had a lot of pregnancy movies and they all ended like that. Yeah. Like the, the ones that did the, you know, the last American Virgin approach, uh, which if you haven't seen the movie from a million years ago, it's this goofball, like horny eighties comedy, which in the last half hour becomes an abortion drama. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's done by uh, Golan Globus. Yeah, it was one of their weird, like swings at uh, 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 not austerity, but mm-hmm. you know, a class. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but but yeah, it, it deals with that, and uh, yeah, it's true that most of those movies had that outcome, and people are going, "Wow, maybe it wasn't great to have this messaging for." 10 years or 15 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think, do you actually, sincerely, do you think that made any difference? I think when a person watches, I know that when I do this, when a person watches something that is very persuasive or that is very funny or charming, they tend to agree with it, but it wears off. Like, it'll wear off in, like, a few hours. I get and you, you, you ultimately believe what you believe, no matter what people yeah. say. And, and again, not... I, I mean, I hope this isn't, like, morbid or anything, but say some poor young woman uh, is in that situation in the wrong state right now. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or say she's in, like, a blue state, and the choice is hers, like... Is she going to go... What would Catherine Heigl and knocked up to? Like, yeah. 
are your beliefs in like the what you're gonna do in a situation like that is it based on Seth Rogen or is it based on like what your parents have drilled into you? Yes. And sometimes based in like resisting what your parents have drilled into you. Yeah. Where it's like like it's sacred, you're like, no, it's like my decision. Mm-hmm. Which of course it is. Yeah, uh, barely need to footnote that, but it's like I, I don't know. I can obviously, I'm just carrying on because it's a position I won't be in, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's just demonic that there's a lot more people are going to be in that situation now, of course. But to put maybe just to like end on a light note. If you are, you're not basing it on, like, fucking Juno. <laughs> you're not thinking about, like, well, when the my favorite character on Orange is the New Black got pregnant in prison, they did this with the baby. And like, yeah. It's like, no, it's, it's just like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And, like, it's, you know, your decision to make. And it's, I guess what I'm saying is, it's not Clarence Thomas... Or Judd Apatow's right to tell you what to do in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I wanted to go out on a joke. <laughs> so, uh, if what happened to Juno happens to you, it's your right to undo that diddle home skillet. Oh, God. That's worse than anything that I've said this episode. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Okay. Um, so, remember to take care of each other, everybody. That's what's important. See ya. Bye,